You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. Star Wars, especially in New Hope, is where did those plans come from for the Death Star? Because it's something that happens off camera, and you get some mention of it from Leia in the hollow the, the hollow message that's on the R two droid. But you wonder what's the story there? Now, ever since Disney bought the rights to the Lucas Films, they've been steadily adding a lot more to fill in those gaps by providing us with films or stories, in some cases comics that we've been reading that are spectacular, and some novels as well to fill in the details for each of those time frames so that we get an idea of the entirety of the story and what happened. A few days prior to the events that took place in A New Hope, you have the story that is in Rogue One. And that, of course, is the story of how those plans came to be in the Rebels' hands. Now, the film has gotten some, I would say, interesting reviews because you have some people that are very much fans of it and were right from the get-go. And then you have some people that were disappointed or that simply place it lower than some of the other films that have come out since personally i adored this film it was certainly not without its faults but i really liked it a lot i enjoyed the characters and again while there were flaws the things that it did well i feel it did exceptionally well what about you i really enjoyed it but i feel i didn't enjoy it as much as i could have like when it was rogue one I was into it, but every time, like, they shoehorned in something to try and remind us that, hey, this is, you know, part of the Star Wars universe, like, it took me out of what was really going on in the movie. See, I, for me, I didn't feel that quite as much. There, of course, there are elements that were, I, there was one moment that I really felt was shoehorned in, but for the most part, the rest, I didn't think was shoehorned in i thought that it actually just was Mm -hmm. allowing us to see those same people those same battles or whatever it may be that we remember from those original the original trilogy and seeing what was actually happening behind that iconic scene and so i never felt it was forced i I don't want to i don't know about forced i i feel that no, that's what Maybe you behind the scenes there was some forcing, but like it's it 
it's like the movie couldn't figure out its identity. Like right from the start, the fact that it lacked the traditional fanfare and the opening crawl, I thought was a brilliant move because yeah. it kind of set the tone of this is something different. And yet at points throughout the movie and especially with the score being so much of a John Williams sound alike, that's one of the things that really bothered me. It, it, it kept trying at points to be too Star Wars and not enough of what it, I feel it should have been as its own unique kind of aesthetic within the universe. I don't understand what you mean by trying to be too Star Wars. It is a Star Wars film, though. Right, but... It... Okay, let me ask you this way then, okay? Because... And well, see because... if you mean the same thing. Because, like, when I looked at The Force Awaken, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I thought. Like, it's trying to be a new hope. Like, it's, it's essentially oh, the it, same it, goddamn yes, movie. but that, that's... Is that what you mean? No, because... Okay. Uh, Force Awakens in its actual plot structure was a new hope. <laughs> like it, in so many scenes were, I, I think even calling them homages is giving it too much credit. Oh, yeah, they were in a yeah. large ways ripped off. Whereas so much of this film visually and narratively was unique, separate from the rest of the Star Wars franchise. Like it was shot differently, it was edited differently, but it said it. It was just kind of like a, a disconnect of every time like it took that right turn into reminding people that this is still Star Wars. Like it just it just never quite felt right to me. See, I thought it again, this is and I'm not certainly not arguing with you or telling you you should feel differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because like I said, overall I'm still very positive on the film. Yeah. The the way that I looked at it is that it it was quite different. As you 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 said as well, the characters I felt were quite different as mm-hmm. well, with the exception, of course, of K two S O, which fit the the mean, sarcastic protocol droid kind of image that we're used to seeing. I'm I'm not going to talk trash about the best character in the movie. Oh no, neither am I. I'm just saying that that you know. <laughs> but there were a lot of elements that were extremely different. The fact that they never mention Skywalker throughout the entirety mm-hmm. of this, and this is the first film that they don't. Of course, Skywalker is there in the form of Darth Vader, but yeah. it's never mentioned. But uh, but I think that there was just enough to tie it into the Star Wars canon and to remind you periodically, oh, yeah, that's right. This is a freaking Star Wars movie. While there was enough that was new, different, and and greedier, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So... That's where I really – that's why I really enjoyed it. And because we are huge uh, Star Wars Rebels fans, like we – Oh, my God. We've watched all of the Clone Wars, obviously, and then when Rebels came out, we started watching it immediately. And it is the show that we make sure we watch as soon as it, it comes out. And so when we are looking at the events that are transpiring in in Rebels, because Rebels takes place approximately five years before – Rogue One. So we're seeing kind of what's going on in there with certain characters and then how that translates to what's going on in, in Rogue One as well. I really dig that. I Again, I enjoyed The Force Awakens. I did. And I'm not... We've talked about this before, although I don't know on this podcast if we did or not, but I know we talked about it on Comic Book Informer, where like I'm not a massive, massive Star Wars fan. I enjoy the movies, but I'm not, you know, I don't care when they make slight changes or things like that. 
and I'm, I'm far more critical of it because of that. And when I watched The Force Awakens, I didn't even see it in the same way as the Star Trek reboot because that was different enough mm-hmm. in how it approached the different timeline and everything else. Now, this is not like The Force Awakens was not trying to do a different timeline, but it was the same goddamn story. And I was behind it. The 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 lead female actress, lead black actor, mm-hmm. they were both phenomenal in their roles. There was a lot going on for the film. The nostalgia as well of seeing Leia and seeing um, Solo and all of these things was great. I, I really enjoyed it. But then you had a script that was literally a ripoff. So it really let me down in that regard. It was fun to watch, but it's like, no, it's fun to watch, but I can point to all the things that are, I don't want to say wrong, but ripoffs from A New Hope. Mm -hmm. So with this being something that's completely different, that is essentially a piece, a puzzle piece that's been missing for a long time from a puzzle you got hanging on your wall kind of thing. And now you finally get to go click. Oh, that felt good. And you <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's how it all works together. That's what happened and things like that. And I really, really dug that. Like, again, some of the choices that they made were massive cliches, certainly. Some of the things I was not crazy about. But overall, man, did I ever enjoy it a lot. And like you said, too, certain characters always really stand out. Again, case in point, Daisy Ridley's and John Boyega's characters, like they, they stand out because of who they are. I felt that Jin really didn't stand out all that much. She's a the fairly... supporting cast in this film was way better exactly. than the leads. Yeah, yeah. So because, I mean, um, Cassian was great. He was really good. It was really nice hearing from all the people who mm-hmm. were so happy that a Hispanic character was in, they didn't ask him to change his accent and there was representation stuff. I, that that means a lot. And it, it was nice having that in there. Alan Tiddick's character was, like you said, he stole the show. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He, oh, yeah. he had the best lines <laughs> throughout, which apparently okay. he did improvise a bunch of them. So it, it is not surprising. For anybody who hasn't seen the movie, we're obviously going to be spoiling things. So mm-hmm. tap out now. <laughs> Because on our way into the movie, I turned to Alicia and I was like, you know, all of these people are going to die, right? (laughs) I just want to establish this now so I don't have a weeping girlfriend in the theater. (laughs) Just like, yeah. And yet still, when K2 went down, like I was the one that was almost crying. (laughs) Dude, when he went down, the first time I saw the show, I was thinking it is only a matter of time before somebody draws K2 inside of the seat of the firefly with a, the stick, the spear through his body <laughs> with him saying just a leaf on the wind. I still haven't seen it, though. Somebody's got to really get on that shit because we need that in our life. But uh, but yeah, the one of the things that I notice and I, I've watched the, the show twice now, the the. The thing that I notice is that while there were a couple of groan-worthy lines, some really groan-worthy. Like one of them, oh, the one from Vader, careful not to choke on your aspirations. Like, oh, come on. That that middle scene with Vader, I hated that so much. It was like, oh, Annie. (laughs) 
I still remember when you you were building C-3PO in your room. Because, <laughs> you don't first scare of me. all, he didn't even look right. Like, he yeah, just looked he weird. Off. And my biggest gripe with it is it completely ruined the impact of him showing up at the end of the movie. I don't know about that. I, I know what you mean. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but yeah, yeah. Like, if, if that had been his reveal of, like, the red lightsaber turning on in the darkened corridor, like, it would have been, like, that scene was cool as it was, but it would have taken it to another level. Because, but since he was already established and in people's minds, it, 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 I felt it lessened the impact for what I felt was not a very necessary or even good scene. I honestly, I won't argue with you. It could have stayed out because what was what I really liked about it as well. And here's the thing: that's the only bad scene in the entire movie with Krennic because he was a great villain. Yeah, yeah. See, I that's why I liked it. And and you might be right in terms of keeping Vader just until the end because the quote unquote big bad guy up until that point is Turkin. Because mm-hmm. he has to deal with Tarkin, and he has to. And Tarkin is obviously going to try to take credit for everything and, and whatnot. And so I really like that. Up until that part, point, Tarkin's the major bad guy, mm-hmm. and you know from memory that Tarkin is like a chump in A New Hope. Like I, Vader, I wouldn't go that far. He yeah, Vader kind of put him in his place. I I don't. I don't, I, 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 I'd have way. to watch it again. It's been many years, but that's the impression that I remembered was, again, he was, he was all right, but he wasn't he wasn't a force-wielding freaking Darth Vader. He wasn't a Sith well, kind no, of thing. So. but Vader wasn't really Vader either. Like, in a lot of ways, in New Hope, he was not deferential to Tarkin, but he was allowing Tarkin to be the guy in charge of the Death Star. Like, I, yeah, I, but he never made it seem as if Tarkin had any real power. He was the one that was in charge. This, this is true, but I, Tarkin still definitely had an impact. Like, I, I mean, he was the one who called Leia onto the bridge to watch Alderaan explode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I understand so, that, well, he, but he, he, he has power yeah. with everybody else. Yes, but the yes. big. But then it's once you get to Vader that you realize, holy shit. Like, yeah. this is leaps and bounds above that in terms of sheer evil and power. So that's that's what I liked about this, is that you are, in addition to seeing everything that's going on with the rebels behind the scenes and things like that, the grunts, essentially, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you're also seeing the lesser of the powerful people that are still powerful, certainly, mm-hmm. but they're no freaking Vaders or the Emperor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I mean, and I really like that. How did you feel about the CGI Tarkin? I was I was all right with it. I thought it was really well done. I, I, I was blown away. I'm sitting I, there in the theater going, how, how they t- Peter Cushing's dead. How did they do that? <laughs> when I I remember reading some not that long ago because they were talking about again that the face being superimposed and mm-hmm. different actors that they've tried that. Pff, Ghost in the now, Shell, rumors in, of that in being In all death. fairness, there are some scenes where it obviously doesn't look right. But but you got overall, so much other was, going on that you yeah. have to be looking for it. And yeah. the second time I was watching, that's what I was doing. I was point blank looking for it. I was looking for it because I was trying to figure out how the hell they did it. Oh, no. See, when I the first time I watched it, I was just seeing the scene, which is far more forgiving than mm-hmm. of any little errors. But, yeah, I, I was watching. I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Because I, I am a big Peter Cushing fan. Well, yeah. 
you know, going back to his work at, you know, Hammer Studios and stuff. So, like, I was really excited for that. It was really well done. And people people are like, oh, it's so disrespectful. I was like, but, you know. How was it disrespectful? They they had the blessings of his family. Like, his family checked off on everything they did, making sure that, you know, it was true to him as a person and an actor. So I don't have issues with it. If his family doesn't have a problem with it, I certainly don't. Yeah, because this is a question that's come up, of course, since... um, since Carrie Fisher, Carrie passed, Fisher away. passed away because of Leia, because she was written into the next one that they're currently mm-hmm. working on right now. And so they were talking about, okay, well, are they going to do the same thing with her? And they decided, at, at least the last that I'd heard, that they were actually not going to yeah. to do that. Which I think, considering how soon, like how yeah, Peter Cushing's been dead recently, for twenty years. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's it's a smart choice. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, the um, the choice of putting. Donnie Yen in. Oh my God. Because apparently it was either him or Jet Li, but Yen was significantly cheaper than Lee. <laughs> I think that's going to be, you know, on his tombstone. Donnie Yen, significantly cheaper than Jet Li. Jet Li. <laughs> and just as good. But, oh, I, I freaking love Donnie Yen. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I just, we, we'd been talking about potentially doing a popcorn run an episode talking about the Ip Man. Uh, trilogy and i recently watched them all again not that long ago finished watching them and it's just he's just such a good freaking actor like you Mm -hmm. you care for him and so the moment i saw him because i didn't again i've been trying to kind of not keep too much track and have some surprises when you go in so i again with the exception of alan tudyk (laughs) It's the only one that I really cared about. That was the rest was like, okay, let's see what's going to happen, and uh, and so I, I was pleasantly surprised when he showed up, and his little quirks and his little manual. I'm the force, and the force is with me, and, and, and all these little things. And you're like, you are really cheering for this man, especially mm-hmm. when he's going for that switch. It's Once like, again, oh, man. you know he's going to die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I love the relationship between him and Bays. What's funny is that, and this is because of the significant amount of time that I've played Star Wars The Old Republic, <laughs> it's basically a Sith sor- sorcerer and a, a bounty hunter <laughs> teaming up. Or not a Sith, I should say, sorry, yeah. a, a Jedi that are just kind of in their bodies. And I love this idea because, again, in the game, you have the two factions and they don't come together a little bit here and there, but not too much. And so here when you're seeing a freaking Jedi and a bounty hunter because of the full bounty hunter kind of Mandalorian armor he's gone on and Mm -hmm. stuff. And you're going like, I just love this duo. Those those two brothers are just phenomenal together because that's. They're they're more than just buddies. At one point, you realize these two have been through hell together, and and know each other and understand each other and have this very deep relationship. the The casting for both of those was fantastic. Yeah, perfect. The only one I was a little disappointed with, which is really surprising, was actually Forrest Whitaker. He was terrible. And, oh my god! I mean, I love this guy. Most people do. He's an amazing actor. But holy crap, he didn't fit at all. At all, at all, at all. And what's funny is that he was just recently... I don't know how how up-to-date you are with Rebels. 
I you're a bit behind. I haven't watched any of the latest season. Oh, yet. okay. Oh, latest season is good. There's some good shit happening. I'm aware. Speaking of freaking Mandalorian stuff, because you have the Mandalorian with the oh Jesus, what the hell's her name? Sabine. Sabine, who's got the freaking dark saber? Then they're doing that storyline with her so that she can lead the Mandalorians oh my to God. be with all of the rebels, and it's like holy shit. Like it's been really balls to the wall, fantastic. Just a ton of fun to watch. So and they but they brought in Saw Gerrera. Mm-hmm. So and initially I I can't remember if they had said that it was him they were going to see, or just when you see him, there's the similarities to the point of even the one eye that's a little off and the scar and stuff. And then you hear him talk and I was like Man, that sounds a lot like Forrest Whitaker. And then at one point they do say Sagrera, and I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Forrest Whitaker doing a <laughs> voice for Rebels. I love it. And it's a much younger Sagrera. But it gives you some of the history with that character as well that you can then, again, as I watched uh, Rogue One the second time, it's like I got a little bit more history on that character. As much as I was not a fan of Whitaker's take on it, I I, I still enjoy the character, although that... I'm just, I'm done running bullshit at the end. I was like, oh, fuck that. I hate that cliche bullshit. Like most people know you have that drive to live. You're going to run as fast as your legs can, can, can carry you. Yeah, it's like his, his you know, last stand served no purpose. It's not like, not, you know, he was, <laughs> he was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to die now. Like that's all it was. And then Mads Mikkelsen was great in this. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, crap. he's great in everything. Let's he be honest. Pretty much he is. He really, like, my introduction to him was with Hannibal. I know he's mm-hmm. done a lot of stuff before that, but for us, that was our introduction to him. And, of course, he, he is now Hannibal to us. It, it, it's not, uh, sir, what's his name? Um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. I had it. It was on the tip of my tongue, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's freaking Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal that I think of now. He did such a phenomenal job. And then as we're seeing him in other things now, it's like, holy crap, yeah, there's a reason why this dude can act. And I loved him in this. And he delivered some great lines as well. Like throughout, again, the entirety of the movie, periodically there's these lines that aren't corny. They're just spectacularly well written. And I I really like that a lot. I. I actually want to read the prequel novel to this movie, yes, yes, because it heavily involves his backstory. And like, he was good in the movie, and I really want to know more. Normally, I'm not a big, you know, oh, I have to read all the tie-in stuff, but this is one that I actually do want to read. <laughs> There's a couple of novels that are going to be coming out soon. They're labeled as young adult novels, but who cares? And one of them is going to be on the life of Jin after the the death of her mother and when her father gets taken away and up until the point where Saw essentially leaves her behind. So that's going to give her story. And then the other one is the one that is uh, with Chirrut and Bays. I want to read that yes. so bad. Yes. So freaking bad. Because you know that if it's well written, it will not only be impactful and it won't it won't only be a, a good buddy not buddy cop, but you know, that kind of story. But it'll also have humor in it as well. I mean, some of the lines like when they put the, the bag over his head to take away, he's like, <laughs> Come Are on, you kidding I'm me? I'm blind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to reading that. And I, the thing I liked best with Chirrut was he gave us that tie to, of course, the larger Star Wars universe without being a Jedi. Exactly. Like, there was no lightsabers. There was no force powers. Like, if you're looking at Rogue One as a war movie, he was exactly like, you know, the, the squad chaplain. Like if it had been in Vietnam if he, and he'd been, you know, a Christian priest, that character would have been exactly the same because it was all based on faith and his belief in the force. Like, I still couldn't tell you if he was actually force sensitive or not or if he was just, you know, Very that lucky. faithful to his religion <laughs> because, I mean, it was such a well-played character. I think you're right, actually. It's, I, I literally just watched it again yesterday. <laughs> last night and uh and because it had been a little while since i watched the first time i went you know what i really need to rewatch it now because we had planned on doing this episode some time ago but we've been busy and so i watched it again and as i'm watching it it was that idea too it's like i know you're a jedi but i don't know if you're a jedi <laughs> <laughs> and the, the problem is is that it's done yet so when you're watching him fight of course it's going to be spectacular yeah. Now, what I liked as well about his fighting was that it was a different style than what we saw in Ip Man, mm -hmm. which again leads to the man's oh, he's unbelievable trained in multiple talent. disciplines. It's unbelievable what this man can do. So yeah, the, the fight scenes, scenes with him were spectacularly well choreographed. So, and again, just such a great character. But once again, no K2SO. So <laughs> now we've talked about these Star Wars comics a lot on Comic Book and Forum Podcast. And, and even though we don't record that podcast anymore, if I, I would tell people, go and look it up and just do a search for Star Wars and it'll bring up the episodes where we talked about a whole bunch of the, the different issues. It's going to be a lot of episodes. There, there's quite a few, yeah, because there was some good <laughs> stuff there, though, that you, again, give mm -hmm. you some details on, on some of that back history of things that are going on that you don't necessarily see on the screen as well, which give you uh, an added appreciation of the the universe that they live in kind of thing. So so one of the things that we, we talked a lot about, of course, was Afra and her, Dr. Afra, and her murderous robots. <laughs> and <laughs> triple O, or no, yes. Yeah, triple zero. Tri triple zero, and what's the other one? Um, BT. BT. Uh, triple zero became, like, I know for me, and again, and this is not, when we're talking about Star Wars, let's just say it's Star Wars robots, droids kind of thing. You have the movies, you have the the spectacular droids in, especially in Rebels. Man, they are, this season two, you're getting some fantastic stuff with the droids. Then you have the comics, but you also Apparently have... Chopper had a cameo in the movie too. Did, no way. Yeah, in the uh, the hangar scene, you can see him. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Right, come on. They were paging Captain Sindula. Oh, that's great. That is great. I missed a lot of the little things here and there. Oh, I, so, I, I missed just, them as well. You, you it, but it wasn't like I, I caught the Captain Sindula one. But I apparently didn't. like people are like screen capped and you can actually see the ship and everything. Oh, that is fantastic. OK, I'm going to have to search for that. Yeah. But anyways, there's also the games, uh, not just. Star Wars, Wars the Old Republic, the, the, the MMO, but there's, there was the other Old Republic games and uh, Knights of the Old Republic and, and whatnot. And one of the best droids is the HK series that 
were brought in through those. And for the longest time, those were my favorites kind of thing. And then there was triple, triple zero, and it was like, he's getting towards the top of my list of favorites <laughs> as well. But, man, the work that Alan Tudyk did with, with Kay here was at times so subtle and dry in its humor that it it just kind of shocks you how well done it is and then other times like the the back that the backhand to the head like do you want a fresh one which was apparently improv by Tedek which is not surprising i i might he might be my favorite now cuz holy crap did i ever love him in every scene he was in i I think a lot of it had to do with the the disconnect between his character and his physical appearance. Yes. Because <laughs> he's this gigantic... I, I think he was supposed to be like an interrogation droid, right? I can't remember. Yeah, but like he has a very imposing figure. Oh, yeah. And yet, you know, he's Alan Tudyk. Yeah. He's cracking jokes and being sarcastic. I am really looking forward to the, the Blu-ray for this when it comes out. And I'm really hoping there's going to be a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Because I thought most of his stuff was just in a booth and just recording his voice. Mm-hmm. But no, he did green screen stuff. Yeah. Walking around on stilts. It reminded <laughs> me of the work that was done with Of course now I'm not going to remember. Cuz some of it was done like that in The Hobbit, but there was another one recently where they did that. Was, oh, uh, uh, with Groot, they did that. Yeah, Guardians. Yeah, they did a lot of that with Guardians with Groot because he had to wear, like, hold up the little face at the level so people knew where Groot's face was going to be kind of thing. But he did a lot of the acting as well, and that's what they they took from his performance to then digitally create Groot kind of thing. So that's what I think happened a lot here with Tudyk. And what mm-hmm. he brought to the scene. So that's like, I really want to see those behind the scenes. That's going to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> so the, in terms of the story, just to quickly talk about it, of course. So you wind up at the beginning, finding out that the lead character, Jin's father is a scientist and they're the empire is coming back to basically snag him to get him to help finish building the death star. Uh, they kill off his wife and the daughter escapes she kind of, she hooks up with a, a rebel, Saw Guerrera, who eventually dumps her. You find her out later that the reason he left her behind was because people were starting to ask questions. And they knew, they were starting to figure out that she was the daughter of the scientist who's building, who works for the Empire and who's building this, this Death Star. So he didn't feel it was going to be safe for her anymore. So she was on her own and you basically, you see her in jail and she's not doing well. And then you have the flip side where information is leaking in that her father is sending a a pilot who is going to be defecting to give them information about the Death Star and this information about the flaw, which we, of course, know from A New Hope and, and whatnot. So We actually didn't talk about uh, him either. He was great. Bodhi? Yes. I really enjoyed him as well. Yes, yes. Oh, Again, yeah, definitely. The entire supporting cast Everybody. is fantastic. Yes, that, that it, 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 it goes without saying, but it should still be saying, said. You're right. All of them were fantastic. In all honesty, the only ones that I had a problem with, the only one I should say that I really had a problem with, I'll go back to the talking about what the, the story was briefly, was actually Jimmy Smith's. And it was because it was for far too much 
foreshadowing whenever you saw him because you know that he's Bail Organa and it's his planet that's going to be destroyed by this big thing that they're trying to fight. So, like, there's one... With it. What's that? I was fine with it. I, I was, was actually not... excited because I didn't know he was in the movie. I was like, oh, shit. That's yeah. Jimmy Spitz. The first time he shows up, there's literally no reason for him to be there. It's at the end of a scene and he just pops up to remind the audience, oh, yeah, it's this dude's planet that's going to be destroyed by that Death Star right now that you're trying to give more details about. So it was like that was shoehorned in. That bothered me. And then when you see him later on, it's not quite as shoehorned in because you have all of the rebel uh, alliances mm-hmm. there talking. So there's leaders from all the different planets kind of thing. But anytime you saw him, it's like, yeah, you're basically just trying to remind us that, yeah, they even at one point make reference to um, Alderaan, that he's heading back to Alderaan for, for whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. And you're like, yeah, well, pack light. <laughs> Well, I mean, but don't, don't there's stay a long. reason that Alderaan was chosen as the planet to be destroyed. Like, they, they needed to show that, you know, he was important to the rebellion. Otherwise, you know, Alderaan would have just been some random planet they decided to blow up. Well, they didn't blow it up because of him. They blew it up because of Leia. They blew it up because of a lot of reasons. Oh, well, because I mean, the only reason stupid. Leia was as important as she was is because her father was as important as he was. You know, there's some of that, too. Yeah. But anyways, I that's something that I felt was trying to tie into this the Star Wars canon to the story way too forcefully. That again, that's that's pretty minor, but that's what I, I thought. But anyways, so you have these kind of different elements that are, are happening at the same time with not just Jin's story and and how she's being dragged into the the alliance in order to get the details about the the Death Star from her father, but then you also have Cassian, who is um, essentially, well, not essentially, he's basically a spy for the rebels, and as you find out throughout the entirety of the movie, like, he's done a lot of things that he's not proud of, but he did them because he felt that he had to, and, and like, he had that one speech where, like, God damn, like, that was just before they're mm-hmm. all leaving. You're expecting a motivational speak? speech but what comes out of him is not motivation so much as apologetic and saying like we need to do this to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror essentially it, it was the speech of somebody who knows he's not coming back yeah yeah so and uh, and you see you get to see those horrible things that he's done throughout the movie because he's he's doing his them. introduction <laughs> he kills off one of his own informants yeah so he's like he's not a nice person <laughs> But a damn fine actor, I will say. So you get his story then mixing in, of course, with Jin's because he has to take her, try to go find the father so that they can get details from him. But then knowing as well that he's been ordered to shoot him down. A lot of stuff coming together. It was a little convoluted, but it worked. At the beginning, especially. The Luckily, the second time around, it was like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I even uh, I'm loopy on pain meds and I still got it. So, but the first time was a little, what the fuck is happening here? But yeah. So then of course they have to like, they, they, they get told by the uh, hologram again from the father that there is a weakness. Oh, but by the way, you're going to have to go to this planet to get the actual schematics, which why didn't you give it to the pilot? I don't quite understand that. Uh, Put it on a fucking pen drive and give it to him. But whatever. I really liked 
the original dynamics that they used for the planet shield thing and being able to control who goes in and out mm-hmm. and then that affecting not just their message getting out uh, in terms of being able to take the information and fly out, but even just send a message out. Granted, the fact that they had to go to the top of a fucking building <laughs> to send out was the dumbest thing. It was such a Star Wars thing to do. Like, even the it, second the, time the watching The entire this, climax of the movie, it felt very disjointed. It could have like, been rewritten. It, it felt like a bad video game mission of, okay, you did this objective, now you have to go do this other thing. Oh, wait, no, now you have to go to this other place. Like, it it, it never really felt like a proper climax because of all the, like, false starts and stops that were along the way. Well, also the, just the plain fact that it, I mean, it ends, like you said, with pretty much everybody dying. Like, this is not a a movie where there's going to be a fantastic climax where good triumphs... I'm saying, like, a a proper, like, resolution to the action. I didn't even think there was going to be any. So I was not disappointed in that. Because, again, it leads immediately into Mm -hmm. A New Hope, so which immediately starts as shit's gone really bad. So I was just expecting that it was not going to have really much of a climax. The little bit that they had was more than I was expecting. It just felt a little disjointed, at least planet side. Like the space battle was friggin' awesome. Oh, God. Star Destroyer. That was amazing. And using that to pummel through the shield generator was brilliant, was really fucking cool. I love that. And again, I like the stuff that was on the ground in terms of the fight, the stuff with Chirrut and Bays and, mm-hmm. and everybody else was a ton and, of fun. Like all the Bowie. nameless soldiers that we started to care for because yep. they were just badass. <laughs> yeah, that was great. The only, and, and even once they're in the building with K2 and, mm-hmm. and, and making their way, and he's giving them the odds. <laughs> Which I, which is such a throwback to the Hansel. Uh, like I don't, I don't want to know the odds. Never tell me the odds. Was that the line? Or never tell me whatever. Yeah. Never tell me the odds. Uh, so yeah, every time he's bringing up odds, I'm like laughing to myself. But anyways, the only stupidity to me was the fact that they had to go to the roof, because again, there's like the, the even the 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 weird ass storage device where they keep all the hard drives. <laughs> Makes no sense at all. Like, you're talking a lot of data that they're holding on to yeah. there because holy crap in hell. And it's basically like a, it's like a DVD case that somebody would have in their living room. <laughs> yeah, except many, many, many stories high. But the fact that they had to go to the roof to transmit it made no sense. And as I'm watching it again, and like it was I like, said, oh, nope, now you have to realign the satellite. It's a satellite, it, yeah. It was, again, it was just a bad video game mission. Yeah, because... Jin is going to know how to do that because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, and, and no, you can't. You can't align the satellite dish from the main console. No, you have you to walk don't. out over here to press this other button. Not just that, yeah, but even <laughs> it's it's out of the middle of nowhere. A pathway that's sticking away. This? Yeah, really, somebody needs to be fired for this design. But even once they're out there, she's able to once she realigns it because apparently she knows what buttons to press to realign a satellite to the proper place as well. But she's able to actually initiate the transmission from there. Yeah. So go, Why couldn't you done that shit from over the, the other, the safer <laughs> spot? So it was, again, it was stupidity for the sake of creating the scene 
immediately following it. And I, I really didn't like that. So the mm-hmm. rest of it, I was all right with. I, I, again, with the exception of a few scenes here and there and a few performances overall, goddamn, really, really loved it. Yeah. I, again, I'm overall positive, but I, I just have like that feeling of ah, they were so close to being like a 10. <laughs> But, I, I mean, it was still very, very solid and enjoyable throughout. So where do you place it then on your list of favorites? Oh, don't. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I had to ask you. I know, you. but I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> it's, it's up there. Top three or four. I put it at three for me. Definitely. So I, I, was, I really liked it that much. So anyways, okay. Any parting thoughts? I... I hope that the other anthology movies, if you will, are still allowed to be their own unique things. Like we know they're going to be more tied in with characters that we know with, you know, the next one's a Han Solo movie. As far as I know, I think the one after that is a Boba Fett movie, but I hope they still follow in the path of Rogue One of being their own unique things within the larger franchise instead of just... At points, Rogue One felt a little too much like Star Wars Episode 3.5. So I, I I really still want, you know, the non-numbered entries to kind of be their own unique thing. Well, contrasting that, I feel it was enough of its own thing. Mm-hmm. So again, and I say that I, I, only it to... It was, except at points. So. And again, I, I only say this so that people listening will understand that it's not a consensus that they mm-hmm. may feel the same way as we're saying one of us. And so you, you will not know until you watch it. What I'm looking forward to, because it's obvious now that they're just going to keep cranking these out. Oh, yeah. We're going to get a Star Wars movie every year until we die. <laughs> I am looking forward to when live actors or CGI actors are brought in that are rebel characters. And, and Rebels character, like mm-hmm. the, the animated characters, once we start seeing some of those people as live action in movies, oh, my God, that's going to be awesome. I cannot freaking wait for that. Yeah, I mean, something happens with uh, Ezra and what's his name? Uh, God, Kanan. Kanan. <laughs> They're either dead or there's a couple other Jedi out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be something because, like, the it's... When when we started watching Rebels, we had just finished watching Clone Wars not that long before. And Clone Wars, of mm-hmm. course, the animated series, is like one of the best animated series ever done. Not the best, I wouldn't say, although some would likely say that. But it was among the best. It was that well done. And so when we started watching Rebels, it just did not have the same feel. But, man, it did not take long before you yeah. really got attached to the characters. And then as they started bringing in characters from Clone Wars into it and different tie-ins to things that had happened during the movies or whatever, you're like, oh, I see what's going on here now. And it kind of really ramped up. And then, of course, we read the Kanan comic, which was spectacular, which then really made you appreciate Rebels that much more. And now we're at a point with this season of Rebels where it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. I love these characters. I love these people. I and, and I just want more and more and more. And it's so well done, just like Clone Wars, where every episode that we watch, I keep thinking this would be amazing on the big screen. Like 
it's it's theater quality that good, and the stories typically are as well. So mm-hmm. I want to see the characters brought in from there into future live action movies. That would be amazing. Yeah. So, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can find the show notes at Popcorn Ronin. You can find us on Twitter. I am Zen Buddhist, and he is at Simodian. And you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can leave us some comments there. We are talking about our next episode potentially being one wherein we discuss the new DC universe in movies, as well as the Berlanti versus, as affectionately known as, with the. TV series of Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and now Supergirl which this season has been fucking cool I'm really enjoying this season it's been a lot of fun it's been <laughs> I've been keeping good. up with it through uh, All Comics Considered because every week Nick Hex has to talk about oh, yeah. it oh yeah it's <laughs> it's freaking good I, I really enjoy what they're doing with it a lot so we're going to be talking about that and uh, hopefully on the next episode we've got a few ideas planned for the next couple episodes as things are starting to settle back in post Christmas and post move for you uh, we're going to get back into a regular schedule so with that thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon For more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.